Welcome to the To Be Honest podcast. Today, I am so happy to have Cameron Rivera on the podcast to share their experience with depression and to learn more about their recovery journey. Cameron is a 16-year-old Bay Area resident who is an aspiring filmmaker and director. So welcome to the podcast, Cameron. Hello. Hi, how are you doing today? Or I should say, to be honest, how are you doing today? (laughs) Today, I am actually doing pretty good. Awesome. Have you had any, like, positive moments from the day that you'd like to share? Uh, In my school, we're currently doing a theater, like, play. So that's always been the highlight of my day. I love doing theater and just hanging out with friends and doing that. Yeah, that's awesome. Are you guys working on a specific play right now? It's called Puffs. It's kind of like a Harry Potter knockoff. Technically, okay. we're not supposed to say Harry Potter, but, oh. it, <laughs> but Trademarked. Um, yeah, but it is about the universe of Harry, cool. not Harry Potter. Yeah, <laughs> Harry Potter adjacent. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. That sounds really fun. Um, so to get going on our conversation today, I did want to talk about your experience with mental health. Um, so I'm curious... Um, Was there anything in your life that triggered your depression? I believe the start of my depression happened around, it was very early on. It was around second or third grade. My Grammy, who I was very, very close to in my life, um, she passed away. She was the person who basically took care of us while my mom was at work. And um, it kind of just, from her passing on, it just spiraled into this much bigger thing. And then other incidents in my life where... Um, my grandpa also passed away and they would both pass away really close to my birthday. So my grandma passed away the day after and my grandpa passed away the like five days beforehand and his funeral was on my birthday. So it was, it was kind of just like a bunch of things piling on all together where it just bloomed into something bigger. Yeah. Yeah. So when you first started experiencing symptoms, did you feel like you could, talk to anyone about what you were going through. I'm sure like the whole family was probably pretty devastated by the deaths in the family. So did you feel like you could talk to them or was it, were you more um, drawn to talking to friends or maybe no one at all? I felt kind of secluded with it because I mean, at what, seven years old when my grandma first passed away. Um, <clears throat> not many of my friends have experienced that because we were, we were always so young. We just haven't experienced a death of a close relative before. And my whole family, um, we're all grieving with it. So it was kind of hard to talk to one person specifically for it. Um, My brother was also going through a really rough mental health patch. So all the attention was on him. So I just felt like, you know, he's probably dealing with it worse than I am. So I'm not going to talk about it because I don't want to make more problems, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you can feel probably like a burden on top of everything else Mm -hmm. when there's so much going on in your life. Um, At what point did you feel like you could start opening up or was there a point that you needed to seek treatment or talk to a professional about what you're going through? So there was a point in fifth grade where I was starting to have suicidal thoughts and things like that. So I was talking to my friends about it. I I still hadn't talked to my family about it, really. Um, And one of my friends talked to their mom about what I was saying. And we were in D.C. at the time. So the police were trying to figure out where we were. So then like they looked up the location of my mom's phone number and it didn't match up with where we lived. So it was kind of like until like midnight DC time, my mom got a call that was like, Hey, we're just calling because we got a call from a parent who's concerned. So um, at that point I had opened, that was the first time I really opened up about it. 
And then my mom started to talk to me more about how I was feeling and things like that. Um, I didn't get a therapist until around seventh or eighth grade. And in freshman year of high school, I actually was referred to a hospital for treatment where I was further helped. Okay. So that sounds like you're pretty young when you went to the hospital. What was that experience like? Were you scared? Did you feel like relieved that you were getting help? What was that like for you? So when I got the help in freshman year of high school, it was scary. Um, Or when I first got the help from like a therapist in general, that was also terrifying because therapy and things like that were never talked about in my family. Um, It was never like an open conversation to talk about how you're feeling. It was always, why do you feel like that? And things like that. And no shame to my family at all, because I completely understand where they're coming from. Um, But the gravity of the situation didn't fully hit until I was going to therapy. And like, I really talked about how I was feeling. So it was, it was scary being vulnerable, like really vulnerable for the first time. For anyone who is interested in therapy, but maybe is in the same position that you were in where they're scared to go talk to someone, what advice would you give someone now that you've kind of been through the process? I would say try it. If Sometimes therapy doesn't work for some people. And that just is how their brain works. And they, it doesn't work for people. And um, that's completely valid and understandable, but you should at least try it because you don't know if that could be a valid resource or like a useful resource for you to help. Um, so I would always just say try it. And if you don't like it, there's always more things that you can do to try. That's great advice. I think that can go for so many things in life. Um, just because we are so scared to try things sometimes, whether it be like food or therapy, you know, like different things. But um, yeah, I think you're totally right that it's so important to try it. And if it doesn't work, then you move on to something else that could be beneficial to your mental health. Um, I'm curious how has, well, when did you first receive the diagnosis for depression? Was that through the therapist? So it was through the therapist. Yeah. Um, I was diagnosed with depression as well as generalized anxiety. So that, yeah, that was when I was first diagnosed. Yes. <laughs> and how do you feel like it's had depression and anxiety have impacted your life, whether it's positive or negative? I'll start with negative first. Um, obviously it hasn't felt great. <laughs> um, but uh, it it has set me back with a couple of things where I didn't j- get into theater until my sophomore, now junior year of high school, because I was terrified of like, I-, I was getting anxious over the thought of being in front of people and, you know, putting myself out there just because of how I've also been not treated in the past, but just in general, just it's terrifying to go out on stage and it really set me back, especially with making new friends and things like that, too. Um, I don't talk to people. Like, I don't outwardly say hi. I don't start a conversation. They always have to start it. Um, So that has set me back with friendships, with hobbies, with things like that. But in a positive way, it has helped me grow as a person. So it helped me realize that I have to push past this and Although it's a very valid thing that I'm dealing with, I have to grow from what I am dealing with, if that makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And what's something positive that you've taken from it? You always need to take one day at a time. You shouldn't rush things. You shouldn't force yourself to be happy just because someone tells you that you should be. Whatever you're feeling is okay to be feeling, but you don't want to stay feeling that way. You just need to find ways to 
deal with today. Yeah. And speaking of that, I'm curious what you kind of turn to, to kind of cope with depression or manage depression. It sounds like filmmaking is a huge passion of yours. So is that mm-hmm. part of like your toolkit to help manage your depression is being in the theater um, and making films or what, what are your interests and hobbies and passions like? So yeah, like you said, the film uh, thing is really big for me. I just like creating stories that can, you know, put a message out there that is also positive and um, try to help people feel better. And theater is the same thing too. But for me, because I, I act on theater, but I like feel like holding the camera and recording things. Um, with theater, I like the acting of it where um, you don't have to be yourself for 90 minutes to two hours. You don't have to worry about your actual problem or not actual problem, but you don't have to worry about um, what's going on outside of the stage. And it just is really therapeutic to put that aside for a little bit and just focus on the task at hand. Yeah. It's almost like an escape from reality. And well, one, I'm curious how you got into filmmaking and theater. Um, But yeah, so I'll ask that first. (laughs) (laughs) Like I said before, it was creating stories that can help people and uh, just different concepts of where just all the little details that goes into everything where the, f- the camera angle, um, how they say it, the way they say it, what they say, and just the tiny little things that mean so much that people normally don't notice while watching a film. Um, it just, that stuff is all really cool to me. Same with acting too on, on theater. Um, just the way you say it and the body movements you do and just like, Things like that, that just really interests me and like, or like not confronting like your own issues for a little bit and just worrying about something else. Is that how you, I don't know if you have stage fright, but I would have terrible stage fright if I were a performer. <laughs> is that how you kind of get, can get over it is like pretending that you're just not even like there, like you're, you're totally, you're acting, I guess is the word I'm looking for. <laughs> how that's, do, yeah, do you- that's how I started to like think about it. Um when I was, I saw, I tried doing a show freshman year of high school and I did get in and it took me a while to actually act, I guess. <laughs> but when I talked to my other like friends and things like that, who were also in theater, they were like, you just got to throw yourself out the window. You aren't you anymore. You're this person. Nobody thinks of you as this person. They think of you're the character, but you're not the character <laughs> that's a good way to look at it like you're you're a completely different person at that mm-hmm. point like no one even is looking at you as you mm-hmm. on stage what other types of things have you learned through your recovery that you've taken into consideration while managing depression and anxiety on like a daily basis or a weekly basis what are some of the things that you do i've learned that some days are harder than others where yesterday i could have been a wreck i could have not wanted to do anything at all i didn't want to get out of bed or I didn't want to do this or that, but I've learned that it's just taking one day at a time and remembering that each day that you wake up is a new day for you to experience new things. And you can just try different things and do things that you didn't do the day before. There's always something to look forward to every day. Totally true. Yeah. I think especially when you're in the depths of depression, it can be hard to even like see that sometimes, Mm -hmm. but 
there are those little nuggets, like you said, each day that that do exist that will keep you kind of, you know, I don't want to say happy or enthusiastic about mm-hmm. life, but at least like willing to push through the, the next mm-hmm. day. Um, yeah, so I think that's really good advice. And I know that you kind of mentioned when we first chatted uh, about laziness um, and depression and kind of how some people view people who have depression as lazy, but I just wanted to see your thoughts on that, um, just to give you kind of a, a moment to chat about that. So with depression, there are a lot of things that can uh, can affect your day-to-day life. So your room can get messy. You might not brush your teeth for a week. You might not shower for two weeks. You might not, t- you just might not take care of yourself or your home or things like that. But because you aren't taking care of those things, that doesn't mean you're lazy or you're you're just not doing it. It's because you're going through something and you need to prioritize yourself before you can prioritize other things. Yeah. What would you say to someone who has that perspective on depression or just seeing someone who is quote unquote lazy, I guess? I would say that it's always kind of like you don't know what someone else is going through. So you should never judge anyone for anything. Um, but it's just, you could be going through something completely horrible. You've had those days where um, you just don't want to do anything, but it's not because you're lazy. It's just because you're tired. You have no energy. You're just drained. And it's not fair to be called lazy because you're having a bad day. It's the same thing, but with depression, it just happens more often and sometimes even worse than an average bad day for someone without depression. So it's just difficult to hear that someone is being lazy when other tasks are not being done. I think a lot of times mental health sometimes is mistaken for like behavioral like abnormalities when in fact it's just like your mind is preventing you from you know, doing things a person would normally do on a daily basis. It's not, it's not your fault. It's not your behavior. It's just, you know, something that you're going through. So um, I appreciate that. Um, And if you could talk to your younger self now that you've kind of been through therapy and you're kind of come out the other side through recovery, um, what would you tell your younger self about mental health? I think I would tell myself that it will get hard. It is hard, but Things will get better and you should never give up because you had a rough week or something because the next week you could have the best week of your life. You could have the best week of, you know, it's just hard to see someone want to give up when they don't know what is in the future for them. That's so true. Yeah. You never know what the next day or week or month will bring to you. So just got to keep you know, moving along and and see what's there for you. And then I also am just curious um, what you would like to do with filmmaking. What are your aspirations? What are your hopes and dreams? You know, I haven't thought that because I know it's a very hard profession to get into. Um, I would love to live in Southern California and just make films and go to premieres and have parties and not parties, but like just like hang out with like the cast and the crew and things like that. And just, I don't know, make a living off of it. And 
do what I love. I, I see that in your future. I feel like <laughs> you're already like in the, you know, in the, you're doing the acting and the filmmaking. So I feel like you're on your way there. So that's really exciting. Um, but yeah, I just, I want to thank you for being on the podcast. It was a great time chatting with you. And I want to thank you for being so open um, and vulnerable about your personal experience. Um, if people want to learn more about you or your filmmaking, or if you want to share resources, um, where can they go? Uh, I have an Instagram. It's at HTTPS dot Cameron Rivera. Uh, that's really the only social media that I have so far. But if I do have any other, I would post about it and tell people to follow me there. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, thank you again, Cameron. It was great thank meeting you. you. And I hope we can connect again in the future. Me too. All right. Bye. Bye. The To Be Honest podcast is a creative platform that enables youth and young adults to share their personal experience with mental health to help normalize the conversation around this often taboo topic. To Be Honest is a program of Momentum for Health and is supported by District 4 Inventory Funds, Republic Urban Properties, and BetterHelp. To learn more about To Be Honest, visit tobehonest.today or check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. The To Be Honest podcast is hosted and edited by Avery Cruz, as well as edited by Peyton Dillahay. Music for the podcast was created by Julia Steele. For more information, check out the episode show notes in the streaming platform of your choice. Happy listening!